you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? I got my Omicron booster shot yesterday, and in in like two weeks, I will be slightly closer to bulletproof, and that makes me happy. I'm fine. I, I I feel like I should have more to say than that, but you didn't have any yeah. sort of like oh dramatic work emergency. I mean, probably I don't know. It all sort of blurs together. Uh, I was around human beings that I am not blood related to today. What? My God! Yeah, wild, right? Son's school had a uh, an outdoor picnic, and I actually went and stayed for like more than five minutes. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, man. Good for you. Thank you. Not only did I stay, I talked to someone, and I didn't vomit afterwards. Feel like that's a real accomplishment. Good job. Thank you. The silence of everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> also, my beard's coming back in. I'm feeling good it's about looking, that. It's looking distinguished. Thank you. I, I have missed the beard. I no longer associate the beard with copious amounts of yarfing so yeah i it's, feel like i'm good with it coming it's back. like it, it's it's at a point where it's like comfortable but it doesn't look unabomber yeah and it's also see the the trick with me and beards is i have to find the length where it's long enough that I, it like you can do stuff with it and it isn't itchy but it also doesn't make me look like my brother who does do the unabomber length mm-hmm. since my brother is one poor life choice away from being the unabomber um so I it's it's a fine line to walk there. Say hi to our FBI agent who is uh watching this podcast listening to this podcast and uh updating our file on us that uh we are in no way affiliated with Jude's brother. You know, might be something to look into. I'm just saying. Speaking of fe- federal law enforcement agents. Yeah, tonight we are covering one episode. We've done two. We've done three, but we've never done a solo episode before. And it's entirely apropos that this is the episode that we do it for. This is the episode that I built, no, Jonathan Nolan describes as like the pilot is great, but this is sort of pilot 2.0 um, because it proved that person of interest wasn't tied to Harold and John, but it was a setting and that we could make it work even with them in limited roles. Yeah. And that episode tonight is season two, episode 16, which is Relevance. And that is written by Amanda Siegel and Jonathan Nolan and making his directorial debut on this show, Jonathan Nolan. That's dope. Nice. And I hope you are all pre- prepared for me to never shut the fuck up again while doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> so the opening of this episode breaks a show that we are switching over from our traditional opening to 
the relevant numbers. I hope you're prepared for a lot of numbers in this episode, because I believe there are four in total. Actually, five. Yeah, I think so. Our first one is a guy named Daniel Aquino, who is a software developer who gets quickly and summarily shot in the back of his car. Um, The machine's view of this has redacted information on who that killer is. And then we go to track this asset now in the present day. Her name is Samin Shaw. She's our real number this week, but she's working on a number two. But she's not like John and Harold. She is in Berlin with her partner, Michael Cole, her real number number two this week. Shaw ends up killing two men that she is tracking and finds the phone number to a man named Bechti. They find Bechti's apartment and Shaw uses freaking nerve gas and a submachine gun to kill a bunch of people in this apartment. As it turns out, they are a terrorist cell who is making a dirty bomb. She retrieves the cesium and covers her tracks by exploding the bomb in the apartment. And then the two head back stateside for another number. She meets with her handler, Wilson, and gets their new number, James Mercer, a former soldier who looks to be part of a generic right-wing anarchist militia. While uh, tailing Mercer, Shaw almost gets made by a man in a suit. Cole expresses doubts about where research gets the numbers, but Shaw insists that the research group is never wrong. Cole reveals that he investigated their former target, Daniel Aquino, and found out that he was in fact receiving money from the U.S. government and started an internal investigation over it. Sean Cole break into Mercer's place where they find incriminating emails implicating them. A hit team breaks in, killing Cole and wounding Shaw. As Shaw escapes, she runs into the same man from the suit who identifies himself as John. Shaw, having no time for any of this fucking bullshit, shoots John. (laughs) Shaw rides a dude out a window and runs into Wilson, and the two trade shots before Shaw escapes. Wilson contacts the council, and Miss May, Root, shows up to deliver some papers, and then listen in the conversation. Shaw, meanwhile, steals a car, kidnaps a drug dealer, and breaks into his place. She performs surgery on herself and reveals she used to be in medical school. Before she passes out, she has both of the dealers tie themselves to the radiator. When she wakes up, more gang members show up, and Shaw dispatches them. Hirsch, our, uh, the Irish Determinator, briefs the Office of Special Counsel on Shaw, saying that given the choice of- Hold on, can I back- Determinator? I, I call him the Irish Determinator, yeah. Okay. It's Just- I, I have TV tropes brain, sorry. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. No, we're fine. I just, I thought we were, for a second there, I I thought you had misspoken and you were going for Terminator, but D-Terminator is legitimately funnier. So I'm all on board. Saying that, uh, so he says that Shaw, when given the choice of going after the the Aquino notes or getting revenge, she will pick both. She's very good at multitasking. (laughs) Um, Overhearing this, Root decides to head off to New York. Shaw looks into Cole's flash drive and finds the number for Veronica Sinclair, his internal contact for the investigation. They make a meeting place at a hotel, but when she gets there, there's Root posing as Veronica. Root and Shaw talk, and Root reveals that the money given to Aquino came from the intelligence support activity, who it is who Shaw works for. And it's all connected to a project called Northern Lights. And oh boy, is this a name we're going to hear a lot in the next like three weeks. Or 
Shaw hears the real Veronica Sinclair in the bathroom, Root tases her, straps her down, and threatens her with a laundry iron. Wilson's team- It's, it's very erotic, too. Uh, we're gonna talk about yeah. this. Um, yeah, Wilson's yeah. team interrupts the greatest shipping moment of this show and save from lethal injection with the help of John. John takes her to meet Harold, uh, who explains to her that what she call, calls research and how they only get a number and reveals that he got, or that Harold got, hers and Cole's. Shaw wants to find the person at the top, but Harold warns her that research doesn't exist, actually. Shaw rejects uh, Harold and John's help and states that she just wants revenge for Cole. Harold gives her his number, but she rejects it. She heads to a uh, black tie event and finds special counsel, who she recognizes is not control. She hands over the Aquino data and kills Wilson. She states that she recognizes the importance of the program, but she's here to get both revenge and do her duty. Shaw leaves the party, and as she's waiting on a street corner, Hirsch injects her with something and apologizes. Carter and Fusco show up at the crime scene and act dismissive towards the officers on the scene. The EMT picks her up and drives her off. Oh, wait a minute, that's Leon. <laughs> Leon! Uh, the next morning, Shaw wakes up to Bear licking her face, and she finds Harold and John outside the ambulance in a graveyard. Uh, Harold explains that now that she's dead, the government won't look for her. Shaw holds them up, but this time when she leaves, she takes Harold's number. I adore this episode. It is wild. It, there it, is. There's so much going on. There is not one wasted scene in this episode. And now, now that I've like got it in my head and I've watched it a couple more times, I always think that this is like a two-parter or something because it yeah. feels like it feels like it's a two-parter just because so much is going on with it, and it's also it's incredibly cinematic. Compared to, like, yeah. a TV show. Yeah. This could be a movie starring, like, Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've seen a movie starring Angelina Jolie that is a worse version of this plot. Like, <laughs> it's incredibly, like, the plot is incredibly well-crafted. There is nothing wasted in this, in, in the writing in this episode. It's it's just, it's so well done. And Sarah Shahi is just phenomenal not a spoiler to say that she will be coming back into in a regular role later later on in the show and god what a gift because yeah, she's great she's such a fantastic counterpoint to john and you see it immediately in this episode she is she is exactly the same kind of character sketch as john different energy and the yeah. two of them together will work so well and i'm so i i just enjoy her character so much she does the same i guess the or she does the same narrative function that reese does but she is an entirely different character in both her execution and where she comes from exactly yeah, yeah. and this is a great introduction to her oh yeah because it's, I, I like that the episode is so focused on her too. Mm-hmm. That yeah. um, you know, it's not it's it's such a different framing from what we usually have because the John and Harold plot is in the almost completely not there. Um, they only appear in a couple of scenes, but it, it you know, following following and it's it's different and it's nice. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see the flip side of the episode where it's John and Harold's story as they're attempting to track her and like, like being foiled presumably. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be a funny and episode then, to watch. And, yeah. then, and like they they sit and when they meet, Harold is like, we didn't really understand what was going on until like guns came out. Yeah, yeah. I love that John shows up and he's like, oh, I'm I'm here to I'm here to save you, and she's just like, don't have time for this. Bam, just just absolutely drills him because she just has no time for this. Yeah. <laughs> She has, she has no time to figure out whether he's like an enemy or an ally. Like he's yeah. showing up un, unannounced in a tricky situation. She has no reason to trust him. So like, bang. Yeah. Um, and I love and it. like, even after she shoots him, she hears over the radio that he is like, tr- that he's like assisting her and taking on the team. Um, which yeah. actually brings me to a behind the scenes thing for why Shaw got created. Um, which is that Jim Caviezel was older and was not like basically didn't have the technical acumen that a lot of the show's fight scenes would require because he wasn't very fond of like using a double or anything. That's hilarious. And so that's why you see like in the first half of the season, especially what like a lot of the fight scenes, they just like shift to an outside view and somebody getting thrown through a window or something. Interesting. So Shaw gets brought in in part to like sort of add another person who can do action scenes uh, a lot in the show. That's funny. Um, well, which is something that I like. It's one of the first things you note about the character is that like in her introduction, like she, she's just like this, she's this American girl buying like, uh, like with a little, like a little flimsy shopping bag. Who's like, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't have anything. And then she pulls out, you know, fuck, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a pistol shoots two guys and clubs a police officer over the head. And she's specifically carrying, I believe it's a Sephora bag. So it's like, like meant to be like, oh, frivolous, like, you know, yeah. cosmetics or something. It's great. Um, I love that the person they brought in to fill in the void left by Jim Caviezel's infirmity and laziness <laughs> is a Middle Eastern woman. We have commented in the past uh, on this show's sort of low-key progressiveness, and I really like that 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 is who they brought in for this show. Yeah. Yeah. That it was not another white man. It's a woman of color. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic, who is inarguably the most badass character on the, like, physically badass character on the show. Specifically the introduction or the the break into the apartment is so good because it's it's a different physicality than like what reese is but in many ways it's like uh shaw is the more she isn't a spy she's an operator um yeah she like she isn't even like the per she isn't the man in the suit she is a person with a gun and ill intent um, who uses <laughs> Russian nerve gas on people? Um, which yeah, the 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 amount of like, oh, my heart is a flutter with the war crimes. Yeah, she's she's far more lethal than John is. Yeah, yeah, she is. Um, like yeah, that, she's in in future appearances yeah. that will get like that will become a thing. But yeah, she, uh, yeah, like I just I love that she's also like unabashedly more. I don't want to say butch because it's not that, but like masculine in ways than John. Like there are multiple scenes where she'll like kill someone and then be like, you owe me a steak. 
And like, she is like, she's hard drinking. Like she embodies a lot of these classic, like male soldier stereotypes that John never does. Yeah. Because John is always so like restrained. Yeah. It's part of that is I would say that like, whereas John has internalized a lot of stuff, how Shaw deals with stuff is very externalized. Yeah. But I just think it's interesting that the the contrast where she very much embodies a lot of the more masculine warrior soldier tropes than John does. One of my favorites, one of my favorite, there's like this entire episode is full of like favorite moments of mine. Like when I am thinking about like specific favorite episodes of television, like <laughs> The like you know we'll we'll go into like oh hey top three or something, it is like thirty three from Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. yep. our man Bashir from DS Nine, <laughs> and that one is much more personal taste and like, but number three is this episode like in and how you rank Dang. those can, like I think this is as close to a great episode of single episode of television that you can have. It's extremely well crafted. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that they get back. Like we've got Root, obviously, in the episode, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yeah, um, we are. And but I also love that there's Leon. <laughs> Fucking Leon. And I just it, this. <laughs> I will say again that I would like Leon to become a permanent member of the team, or at least like, uh, at least like not necessarily on every episode. I think that I think that he would get a little bit stale, but like one in three. I can see that. The the only thing that would make it better would be if Zoe made a cameo somehow. Yeah. Um, but, it's, yeah. but it's not a Zoe episode. Yeah, no, there is no. going to be an episode. I think there, there's at least one episode where Zoe and Shaw meet. And I can think of two. Yeah. The, there's one specific one I'm thinking of that is one of my favorite, like, number episodes. Yeah. Do, do, do Shaw and Zoe flirt as well? please a little bit if i remember right like shit are we thinking of the one with the the liquor i'm thinking of the one where everybody pulls guns and tasers from their handbags <laughs> okay that one too yeah. that's a good one too <laughs> that episode is ridiculous it's such a dumb episode but i yeah, love it it's um the uh i mean there's so many like great okay shaw is Shaw is an actual action movie character. Like I've I, I've been watching a lot of James Bond movies, um, yeah. Because I've been I just decided to do this, and with the specific thing that I would never tweet about it because uh, because then you'd be roped into making a podcast. Yeah, and I don't, and I frankly I don't want to talk. I don't want to. It's like I don't want to talk to people about James Bond, but <laughs> except that you're here on talking about James yeah. Bond. But I think what Shaw is is that like is. That Shaw is Shaw sort of represents like how the the idea of what a spy is has sort of it's sort of bifurcated into what Cole is, who is you know tech mm-hmm. analyst investigation, and what Shaw is, who is person with a gun Murder who executes machine. enemies of the state. Yeah. yeah, and but Shaw is also like I don't. So what Shaw describes herself as 
is as having an access to personality disorder, which as far as I can tell is not a, is not real is not descriptive in any way. It like it is a broad overarching term in the DSMV for like yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But I'm, I, I'm honestly glad that they didn't try to do something more specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that. Um, there I is like a, that it's broad. There is a very good episode in the future that will explore that more, but I don't think they ever label it more than like her joking about being like yeah. a nut. She specifically says to the two, the two drug dealers that she takes captive um, that like, if I kill you, I'm not going to feel anything. Yeah. And you know, which could be, which I, there are people, you know, there are people she cares about Cole being one of them, but she also has this very divided sense of like loyalty, morale and morality and guilt, which I find. Yeah. She, she does not have any of the problems that Harold and John have grappling no. with anything. <laughs> There's an episode in the future where she makes a comment that uh, she likes the dog more than any living human at the time. And she's like, <laughs> or something to that effect. And I'm just like, that's cool. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that. We have to, uh, speaking of people with, with personality disorders, I think we need to talk about uh, Root and Shaw. Oh, yeah. I read your that file is... and I'm kind of a big fan. <laughs> okay. Also the iron. Oh my God. These are two characters who the writers sat down and were like, let's set a ship. They didn't even saying. intend this. They didn't even mean it intentionally. Shut up. Like, no, this is no, real. I absolutely refuse this to believe is that. Real. You do not write that scene and not and, and not plan to get everybody on the internet hot and it bothered. It wasn't for these originally two intended from what from everything I've read. Are, do we just have incredibly dirty minds? No, it's no, just no, that, that scene. Like I that feel like it's is, not that. I no, mean, that scene have a, is incredibly horny. Yeah, and they they, like, they they had to have intended that. Like they didn't intend they for it to be intended. like a long term thing. They pro- they might have intended it there, but, but uh, the, we like, need to have a headphones moment about this. By the way, you need to take your headphones. <laughs> okay. I have never in my life been as gratified by the the by, by a ship as I was by that one. I know yeah. I know that the ending of it it's not perfect. Yeah, no, but but the but the fact that I never in my life thought that anything would come of this and then all of a sudden Root starts to get like hot and horny for Shaw and like they actually go there with it. It's the, and the two of them together. It's the moment in if then else of we're a four alarm fiery in an oil refinery. <laughs> it's I mean it's that was the ship tag. <laughs> on Tumblr yeah. when, when the show came out which oh god um, we'll, we'll let Anna have her head <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just oh. yeah gosh yeah I mean the thread like first of all tasing someone and then strapping down like strapping her to the chair and everything and um, threatening her with a laundry iron which is not a torture implement I think I'd, I'd seen commonly before before, but I mean, you got to go with what you've got in a hotel room, I guess. All I'm saying is, if I were to make a list of see of scenes and rank scenes I have seen in any media, book, comic, movie, porn, whatever, 
and rank them in terms of how horny they are and how hot they are, that would make the top My 10. My file doesn't mention this, but I kind of enjoy the certain thing. I'm so glad you said this. I do too. Is the most... It's so horny. It's so great. I mean, like, right, like this... Given another half hour, there's no telling where that, where that scene would have gone. I think it ends with one of them dead. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, yeah. But what happens before exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, first the little so death and then the big one. <laughs> yeah, bingo. Um, uh, but yeah, no. The I the instant it's real good. The instant, like, I mean, first initially because you know that they're like there's a the tension in the scene from knowing like that's not Veronica Sinclair, but you know the shit's going on, and then like. Root hearing the the like Veronica Sinclair like in the bathtub like trying to make herself heard, and it's like oh shit oh shit yeah. oh shit, and then and then it gets scary, and then it gets horny. Yeah, then it gets well, then it gets scary in a sexy way. Yeah. And yeah, okay, we <laughs> we can move on. I'm just saying that the two of them are terrific, and if I could just have that for the whole show. Wouldn't be mad. Also, Root just does a really great job of masquerading as just anyone. She's very good at like, I she's very good at ver- a very specific type of cover, which is unassuming woman. Mm-hmm. There's there's a very funny thing. Uh, there's a very funny bit later in the show where like Root just has rotating cover identities, and it's all and and, and like. She's very she's very good at it, but which I assume is at least in part because she spent years, you know, living with no official identity. Yeah. But yeah, she she's she has like a very specific role of like like professional woman that like is very unassuming that just she nails. And she's she's good at like seeming like both non-threatening and threatened. Mm-hmm the the she i mean it's it's the like amy acker like doe eyes thing <laughs> exactly like, it's like, like yeah. she oh, could no, turn from amy acker evil goddess to amy acker oh no like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's weaponized amy acker that's what it is yeah <laughs> something that i also want to point out is uh that shaw does not have shaw has a different attack Yep. Um, which is which is exciting for me. Which is indigo. Um, yeah. Or it's blue, but really it's indigo because when she calls into control um, at the start of the episode, she gives her code name is indigo. Interesting. Um, yeah. We've got another color now. Yeah. yeah. She's a and refer to isn't the tag referred to as she's a like an asset, not a. Uh, She's an operative, I believe. Not an an asset. operative, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, not an asset. Because she is part of the ISA, the Intelligence Support Activity. Do you? Uh, okay, so we're gonna go through our because we're doing our like canon canonicity house cleaning. Um, our embedded codes for this episode uh, okay. on the blue screen. All right. Um, the first code is an excerpt from Heart of Darkness. Apropos. Um, the second and fourth ones are excerpts from the Principles of Surgery. And the third code is an excerpt from the Voynich manuscript. Really? Yeah. That's a weird one. Yeah, which um, 
listeners, if you are if you're not if you do not know what the um, Voynich manuscript is, it is an illustrated codex. Um, it, it's like it's a handwritten book that uses a from really what we can tell an unknown writing system that has it's weird. It has ever you you might like. See, you might see an article on this like every other year about somebody claiming that they have decoded the Voynich manuscript or something like that. They have, yeah. It's it has it. <laughs> it's it's most likely that it was written at some point in a code of some sort that we just do not have a cipher for. Yeah, or it was written in such a specific context that well doesn't really note like we don't have any context for. Or it's from another planet. Yeah. You know, any anything that floats your boat. Also, the the other thing is that you could dial the phone number that uh, Harold gives a shot at the end of the episode. Um, I think I believe it is inactive now. I didn't try it myself, but while the show is going on, it appears on a couple episodes. But uh, when you get it, you um, which was it, it would say it would be Harold. Oh, wow. I would say, hello, you've reached Harold Wren at Universal Heritage Insurance. I'm currently out of the office. I'm sorry I'm not available. Sorry. And then and then it would say, it's like, sorry, but the user's mailbox can't accept more messages. Hello, you've reached Harold Wren at Universal Heritage Insurance. I'm currently out of the office. I'm sorry I'm not available. Sorry, but the user's mailbox can't accept more messages. <laughs> But yeah, it's just like it, I was like kind oh, of curious because it was in the episode notes and it's notably not a five 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 number, yeah, like you would normally see on a show. Oh, one thing in the machine, if you notice that when it's doing its withdraw and like scanning through the timeline stuff, there are red boxes that are appearing without yeah. people attached yeah. to them. Yep, which is like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, we find out more about that. I think in, is it the next episode or the one after this? We find out more about what's. What's going on there? It takes a little bit, yeah. I think. We're not really um, going to figure out everything until like mostly at the end of season two. And there's going to still be some stuff yeah. by like season three that is going to be like, there's going to be more information about this all that's going to be revealed. This never feels like a show that is worried about getting canceled. Mm-hmm. They are playing a very long plot and there are plot threads that are like, very long running plot threads that I'm sure there's a degree of like retcon or not even retcon, but like they are planting stuff and picking stuff up and making use of threads that they laid down. So it just looks like they, they were planning a long time, but it works and it really never feels like, you know, with a few, with one notable exception, it never, <laughs> they're rushing. Yeah. I, I, that is as much as I have bragged on the past of lo- of longer, TV seasons. One thing you could do is you is you could let stuff simmer for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. Like if you've got twenty two episodes of content a season, you can you can like if you want you can leave this man in the suit plot line dangling for a season and a half, and then yeah. finally wrap yeah. it up when you're like when you're ready to finish it up. Which I I I feel like there is sometimes. I mean, part of that is that you know. Shows only get like eight episodes a season now to to do not to do too much with not enough time. Yeah. But there's also like, you know, sometimes it's nice to let stuff breathe. Yeah, um, for sure. It, it is why I am a big fan of 
like I wouldn't say bottle episodes, but like episodes that stand on their own. Beard mm-hmm. After Hours yeah. is a treasure, and I will go to my grave with that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> the other really good Shaw line in this episode, or there's there's two specific ones that I'm thinking of. Uh, when she's in the apartment in Berlin, flicks at her knife and says, I'm gonna get my bullets back. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We were never here. It's such a badass yeah, line. It's like, God. It's like, yep. And the when she's confronted by the gang members in that apartment, the, the guy's like, what, you weigh like 120 or something, a buck 20 or something? You not really intimidating. <laughs> and she says, nine millimeter round was about a quarter of an ounce. And uh, <laughs> the guy looks at the gun and it's a, a German USP, which very cool, like very nice for a overfunded operator's gun. Um, and he's like, yeah, but your gun's a 45. And she just kills all their people. And she says, yeah, but my backup's a nine mil. <laughs> but she, le- she leaves the like one dude who helped her. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch this, I am, like, legitimately concerned about that gut wound. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she operates on herself. She removes the offending material. But, yeah. I And we better, better hope that nothing is perforated behind it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a TV wound, you know? So long as, so yeah. long as it doesn't keep bleeding, everybody's fine. I know how TV medicine works. <laughs> Especially in action scenes. <laughs> If you get shot in the knee, you'll be walking in a few in a few months or a few weeks. You just with with a, with a cane and a bit of a limp. Yeah, <laughs> you won't. And nothing be, ever scars. You'll you won't have to have, amputate that leg or be in physical therapy for months on end or bleed out because the giant artery that runs down your leg is goes through your your knee and you know. <laughs> The, the one line, the one line that always like gets me in this is the the one where Harold says that he's not very good at games. I'm like, really, buddy? Yeah, that feels like a bit of a, a bit disingenuous. Doesn't yeah, it? no, that's really? a that is. I mean, like he plays chess, but I wonder if that like how much of that is like I like the activity of playing chess, but like I think it. I think he's meaning like I don't like to like play like he's like I like Overwatch. Yeah, League of Legends, or, yes, and I, I believe I, and you I don't, don't believe, play League of Legends, Harold, I think but game theory situations mm. where, yeah, like, yeah, I can yeah. see that. I was about to say, I bet he doesn't like to play games while dating, but I don't know. He's like the ultimate, like playing hard to catch. So maybe not. I'm like, I'm like, what would even be a Harold tried to date look like? <laughs> I mean, we see, we see it with. Uh... With the flashbacks, though. Yeah. Or, like, Harold to the present day. That's more what I mean. Yeah. I like think, I said, I the, think first the closest season? The closest we see to Harold, at least so far, dating in the present day is when he sets up Reese with the... Um, Reese's cover with the uh, reporter. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Where he, like, meticulously re- researches her and crafts, like, the perfect identity for John. And then yeah. he like blows it instantly because that that seems that that seems like it'd probably largely be his like <laughs> how you do things now. Yeah, fair. Another uh, okay. Now another thing that I love with Shaw is 
Um, like I like the black tie event that they go to, where Shaw picks out the special counsel, says, "You're not control." Because we haven't met Control yet in this show. And they ha- I don't think they've decided what they want to do with Control yet. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't. Because, and, yeah, they're 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 putting this up here as the specter of something. I, this is the first time we hear the name Northern Lights, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Wild of just like... <laughs> like, like the yeah. first mention of Control, the first mention of Northern Lights. Mm-hmm. But uh, talks to Special Counsel. She's like, we're not doing this in public. We're doing this somewhere. And... She hands over the flash drive with all of this just because she's like, I believe in what we're doing, which is a wild thing because it's just like within the person of interest universe, we have to accept at least the government line is what the government is telling people within ISA is that the reason that we have not had a major terrorist attack is because of the machine. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. different I, like in reality, there's a whole bunch of other reasons, but I like it's interesting and that Shaw believes in what they are doing enough that it's like, I recognize why I can't do this anymore, but I'm going to still protect the government, which is why, just like for me, it's, huh. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting thing to set up about her character. And it's going to be a thing that continues throughout the rest of season two. But then she gets yeah. to shoot Wilson. Because like overall, the show portrays like the government as an institution as uh good even though there might be individuals who are acting under their own motives yeah it's it's very much it it's very much taking the good cops bad apples narrative of Mm -hmm. i like it take it takes that narrative but applies it to the entire security state apparatus yeah like and the only reason that this has not gone completely completely bullshit and like ass up is that the machine is a closed system. Yeah. Yeah. Which as we're going to turn, you know, as we'll, uh, as we'll develop, they don't even think that really. (laughs) I, yeah. Once we, I really starting at like the end of season two is we're, we're going to get more traction on, wait, what is the government actually doing with this? It's a, this is a great, it's a lot of fun. Um, like, yeah, I love that it both fits into the broader narrative and is just really fun to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, and and weirdly stands alone pretty well as well. When Justin said it's one of like the all time great television episodes, I think it's super true because it really does all those things. It is a terrific episode of this show in that it, in the way that it it fits within the the overarching narrative of the show. And the, the the character work it does for the show. It's a terrific episode of any TV show in the way that it moves the characters and the way that it's just constructed. And then is, as a work of just narrative fiction, it's incredibly well done. Yeah. And really it's, I, you know, it could be if you want it, like, I think you could, I wouldn't recommend it ever, but you could theoretically onboard a person on a person of interest with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you, you, you could. I don't think you should, but it's like you could. I think the better way to say it would be that if someone sat down and watched this episode in repeats, and this was the episode they happened to sit down on, the odds that they would want to watch the rest of the show would be s- incredibly high. Yeah, uh, as compared to like almost any other episode of the show. And this really does start what I consider to be Act Two of the show. 
I, I think that really, like, if we, uh, just off the top of my head, I'd say Act 1 is everything up through Kara Stannon's death. Act 2 mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. through the end of Season 3. And then yep. everything till the end of the show is sort of the third act of it. Um, the f- in the third season of Westworld. <laughs> I'll just how many people get reused. Not about who gets reused. I'm not kidding. The third season of Westworld is a sequel to Person of Interest. I, that's a soapbox. That, that is a hill that I will die on. Meanwhile, I just think it's funny that I was watching two shows at the same time that both had an antagonist named Control. Because <laughs> I was what rewatching was Disco season two. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, the other thing. The, the fun thing. It's the sort of the I know that face thing. But for... Amy Acker and Sarah Shahi both were on Alias. Oh, really? Yeah, which is just very funny for me. Not, I have trying to remember if there's any other like big crossover, but yeah, that was the funny one for me. I'm just like, oh wait, huh? What was that Buckwild thing you told me? Uh, yeah, so this doesn't really relate to the episode, but this was the thing that we're, we're now we're now just feeling tied to the end of the episode because it was only one episode. So there is a point in I think it's the episode where. Uh, Harold gets drugged where he references so the, the, the repeating line our mutual friend mm-hmm. Harold jokes you know oh that's the name of a book it's Charles Dickens last completed novel um, which is about the story of a man who fakes his own death uh, meaning to give away his fortune so he can observe a woman or so he can like uh, like uh, watch a woman uh, and well, that's familiar. Yeah, it's a very. It's a Buckwild cut. Yeah, it's I, I like I didn't I, I like I just found it while like trawling the notes on a wiki. Uh, I was just like, that's really interesting. And yeah, there's it's Jonathan Nolan come I... on this come on the show so I could like inject you with truth. Pick your brain. Uh, what else have we got? Do we have anything else uh... for this? Uh, we sort of, I've got like everybody else who's, I, I know that, I know that face, you know, we don't really have, actually, I can check this. Do I actually know the guy who plays Michael Cole from anything else? Let me find his IMDb. Also, is it just me or was, or did Cole like definitely have a crush on Shaw? I would say that, that is absolutely like, that is, that is 100% of. How could you yeah. not? Um, listen, if there is one, if there's like, Shaw is like micro focus to what I find attractive. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, we, we would have to get the squirt bottle out, which is not the good we usually have to do on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh no. So yeah. Oh, okay. I knew I'd seen him in something before. Um, he's in Punish the Punisher TV series. There was a. Pun- yeah, oh the, right the, the, yes. he was in season one he played micro which was okay that was like i'm like oh yeah no okay i remember that oh I yeah like, i knew i knew him from something i don't remember anything else he's been in it's like wait he was in a second oh right yeah he's in that second episode of person of interest we're not going to talk about that yet but i think that's all i've that's all oh no i do want to i do want one last thing one last thing you know i'm, I'm detective colombo here the song they play in the, like through like the last like four minutes of the episode absolute banger yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yep as as Again. always yeah honestly yeah. okay so next time we're going to be covering uh two episodes or the next two episodes 
which are going to be episodes 17 and 18. These are two of, I, I think, two of my faves of season two, or at least one of them is, one of them is like very high on my list, um, which are Proteus and All In. Oh, man. Those yeah. are some good ones. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share like no derivatives license. It's warm, freshly baked sourdough.